Pitcher Hour, Fall Edition, and Fall Baseball. And and Danny, I think what makes this edition fun, we have two huge arms. We can dive into you know where they're projected next year, to, thanks to some of the experts. But there's so many roads I want to go down. Like I'm at a, at a not a fork in the road. I'm I'm looking at like nine different directions in this show, and I think it excites me. Number one, the transfer portal. Nothing frustrates me more on behalf of athletes when people speak of the transfer portal in an uneducated manner. They don't learn the perspective of the athletes, why they make their decisions. They're short-sighted about, you know, commenting on the transfer portal. Either they're, they're really overly positive about it or really overly negative. I think it's somewhere in the middle. And it's very, very personal. And we're going to learn about that from both of these athletes. And I love it. Number two, the guy that graduates high school, who's kind of a guy on his high school team and kind of a guy on his travel team, but ranked like 450, 500, you're not done. Like here's your two guys. Like these two guys, again, are going to be high picks. So you nail it with this one. Chase Dolander transfers. He's in Tennessee, has that great year last year. Uh, you know, Hurston Waldrop has yet to pitch a game for the Florida Gators, but he was amazing at Southern Miss. I love both these guests. You can see why there's so many ways you can go with this. Yeah, I like them too. I knew you would like this one because we've got big arms and you can dive into the pitching side. But what's cool, so Chase Dolander was a dude for Tennessee last year. He gets hurt in the middle of the year. He gets hit on the arm. He has to sit out. He has to find ways to spend his time and to do something that's kind of productive while he waits to come back and he is able to come back at the end of the year pitches at the sec tournament and now he gets to be a leader on his team this coming year but he's completely driven up his draft stock and what's better than that is the dude's like a businessman and he's <laughs> created these opportunities for himself that you're going to dive into about how he's how he is connecting with brands that are going to help him on the field not just to connect not just to make money what are things that are lucrative for him so that's a topic that we haven't had a chance to really get into as much and we're going to do that with chase and then with hurston transferring from southern miss which took me a while to figure out that all of that was happening he's landed at florida a program he feel like is going to elevate his game and to your point we we are sometimes so quick to be like well why is he transferring why is he not spending more time there or trying to develop himself at the program he committed to when he was how old when these kids are, are so young committing to programs they change their game changes they want the best for themselves who are we to get in the way of a guy who wants to continue to be better and if he's not getting that at the program that he's at then why do we care if he's making a change? So we get to hear that from Hurston and also some of the bumps and bruises along the way that he's he's taken and how it's made him better. But really, I think the, the best part of the conversation is the summer going into last season, right? The summer that kind of changed everything. And the reason why all of, all of you at home and everyone who watches Hurston calls him electric so that we'll find out why he was able to kind of get that moniker as a part of his name, Hurston Electric Waldrop. So I, I'm excited for this one and, and two arms that are going to be difference makers in the college season this coming year. We're also going to have a scouts perspective as we look back on the maybe top 10 players in Jupiter. We're going to take a piece of that pizza pie, which is Hunter Pence and perfect game college baseball. Why wouldn't we on this show? But I love this show. I, I think you nailed it. And by the way, you know, this small town, Scottsdale, Arizona guy, you know, humbly out here out West is going to learn a, a big city, New York word on this podcast as well. Like a word that, oh my goodness, you're going to be blown away. You will actually pause and feel like you're in a master class. I mean, you're going to go from a baseball, college baseball podcast to a master class. 
all that as we start this podcast. That's who we are. Chase, I always find it incredibly intriguing, and I, I'm glad you're, you're hanging out with us a little bit this fall. I find it incredibly intriguing when a pitcher goes from where he was in high school to where he currently is now when we have this conversation together, and that is a guy who you know, has pitched his way into the discussion for the first round. And that's where we all want to be. That's where I wanted to be when I was pitching in college and even my brief time in the minor leagues, you know, minor league free agent here. That's how I started mine. But I wanted to be you. And so here you were at Greenbrier High School, the 227th ranked by perfect game pitcher in the country to where you're now in the top five. I mean, that's where you've come. And that's in a couple of short years. And by the way, those rankings were during the great COVID season, which everything was a disaster. So in those two years, what has occurred? How have you grown? How have you grown the mind? And how have you grown the body to go from 227 amongst righties to one of the best pitchers in the country? Because to me, I guess the better question is, who were you back in Evans, Georgia in 2020 at Greenbrier High School? Who were you? Yeah, I mean, when I was, at, when I was in high school, obviously there's still a lot of maturing to be done. Um, and kind of when you get to college, it, it kind of has to happen fast because you're facing a lot better hitters than you are in high school. And I wasn't one of those guys who did all of the uh, all the perfect game tournaments and did all the showcases and stuff like that. So I had to kind of figure it out for myself. And when I got to Georgia Southern, I noticed that I I matured pretty rather quickly, both physically and mentally. Um, and then I took the next step when I transferred to Tennessee and I, I just felt like I got a whole lot better than when I was at Georgia Southern. And I, and I can credit that to, you know, just kind of changing my mentality when I'm facing headers. Instead of being skittish, I was more, you know, just kind of like coming right at you and kind of give you what I have. And, you know, I just <clears throat> I had the mentality that it you I mean, it just wasn't going to work out for you. So and that's just kind of how I how I think. And I feel like as a pitcher, you kind of have to think that way in a way, because, I mean, you, you just won't be successful if you don't. So it's interesting because I'm going to guess you, you just don't create that mentality. We're, we're certain parts of us are born into us, right? Or, or certain things that we have. Yeah. I, I did see you pitch in Jupiter in 2019 and you touched 91 and you threw pretty darn well for that Georgia Bombers team. So though you didn't, as you say, do a lot of events, you opened eyes, you know, in 2019. And so, right. so I, so I guess I'd ask you this guy, some of that mentality that you're talking about, was that inside you? I mean, was that inside the chrysalis that opened up later? Did you, could you see back in 2019 and 2020, could you see this? I mean, did, could, did, you know, did, could you see yourself becoming this? Yeah. So in my mind, I always thought I had it in me. It was just a matter of being around the right people to get it out of me. Um, so when I came to Tennessee, it was just surrounded by a whole bunch of people who were the, the best competitors in the game, in my opinion. And the coaches who were going to go, going to get the best out of me and, you know, working with Coach Anderson, who's arguably the best pitching coach in the nation. He uh, he, he just basically told me, he was like, look, you have a chance to be a really good pitcher here. And you just kind of have to change your mentality because you have the stuff to do it. He's like, you just have to you just have to attack hitters like you like, you know what you're doing. And that's exactly what I did. And um, it's just kind of worked out for me. <clears throat> Obviously, we want to ask about Coach Anderson, Coach Vitello, because it seems like every time we do get a chance to talk to someone from your program, they have a unique story about how those yeah. guys have impacted them and what it is, like what makes it so special, the fire that is between both of them, because they're both pretty fiery and passionate. Yeah. And, and we get to see that right on full display. But right. what's your connection to those guys and how how each of those coaches 
and, and more if there are more coaches, but each of those two guys have positively impacted you and, and your trajectory to pro ball. Yeah. I feel like this coaching staff is one big family. It's like how, it's how I like to explain it is they all, they all want your, but they all have your best interests in mind and they all want the best for you. And, you know, you can come to them with anything. I feel like there's a lot of coaches out there. You can, you can be kind of skittish to go talk to about different things. But, um, but I, I've talked to Coach A about a lot of different things that's happened in my life while I'm here and in the past and stuff like that. And so that's just kind of made me um, get really close to him. But along with all the other coaches, it just seems like, you know, they all have a really close bond. And as players, it, that you see that and you want to be close with not only the coaches, but amongst ourselves. And it kind of makes it to where you, you want to go, go to war with each other. Like, and that's just kind of how we take going into a game is we're going to war. <clears throat> and um, that I think the coaches like that because it just it gives us that competitive edge because you know like a, a war can be pretty brutal so um, so that's just kind of how we take it and it, I feel like that's really helped us kind of excel into the next level. Yeah, you see that. I think it's pretty obvious the impact that both those guys have had and and the culture that's yeah. been created there with Coach Vitello. And I right. I heard you preseason talking specifically about wanting to use your changeup more and work on that. So can right. you just deep dive with Darren and I for a moment and kind of go into the specifics of how you're doing that and also how Coach A is helping you develop that to be a stronger pitch in your arsenal. Yeah, so I mean, throughout the season last year, we we used our chain my changeup um, pretty sporadically, I would say, um, depending on the hitter and stuff like that. But I, I've come to realize that my changeup is probably one of my best pitches, if not my best pitch. And so, you know, just looking at the analytics along with the um, the Edgertronic camera and stuff like that, that kind of helps you know see see how it's coming off your hand. Uh, we, we've been able to kind of like deep dive into the changeup and figure out how it works for me and how it's going to work against different hitters. And so that's just kind of the, the approach that we've taken to it. Um, but along with that, you know, it, if I, if I throw it more, more hitters are going to be more off, off balance and stuff like that. And so that just kind of creates a tunnel with my fastball and just kind of, you know, like can surprise them here and there uh, just kind of throwing the change up for strikes or, you know, throwing it out of the zone. So that's so the swing at it or something like, something like that. Who was your uh, first start against when you pitched for Georgia Southern? Tennessee. Who was your first start against when you pitched for Tennessee? <laughs> Georgia Southern. Dude, come on, man. I mean, the, <laughs> you, you see the irony in that, right? Oh yeah. 100%. Could you have seen yourself pitching for Tennessee when you pitched against Tennessee? Not at all. And to be honest with you, I talked I talked to the guys last year about it when I first came in. Is is <laughs> I hated them whenever we played them, just because of the way they played. But now that I'm here, it's like it feels it almost feels like this is the way baseball should be played. Just having a lot of fun, you know. And I, and some people don't like how we play, but you know we're having fun and we're we're growing the game doing it. So uh, I feel like that it's it's a win win for us. <laughs> What's one thing, because it's, you know, when you get a reputation as a coach um, and it's earned, people just say, hey, this is the best pitching coach in the nation. Um, I, I asked this with zero skepticism. He's earned that reputation, Coach Anderson. But I guess I would ask you, what's one or two things that you've learned that you literally had no idea about before you started working with him? I mean, you, it wasn't even a, a concept that was just barely growing in your brain. You had no clue. What are some of the things, one or two things that you've learned from him that are brand new? One thing that I learned from him is like 
the the concept of breathing on the mound you know I, i've never really heard of it um never really kind of dived into it i should say when i was at georgia southern or in high school but it, I feel like that's helped me so much. And he, he just always talks about, you know, just taking a deep breath while you're on the mound, slowing the game down, doing things like that, just kind of give you that competitive edge on the mound. Um, but other than that, like he, he's a very simple pitching coach, mm-hmm. but the stuff that he says, like you, you can't, you can't deny it because of the fact, because not only because of his resume, but because of who he is as a person, you know, he has his, he has your best interests in mind. And so he's obviously going to do what he can for you to, to kind of uh, propel you to the next level. It's interesting. And sorry, Danny, I just have one more follow-up. You could bottle it. And I don't care if you're selling what you, what you have in a bottle to a school teacher or, you know, Danny and I would take it in our profession. What, what you did in back-to-back weeks on the road at Ole Miss and Vandy, I can't imagine if you put that confidence into a bottle and opened it up and drank from it, we'd all feel like we could lift a house, right? <laughs> so when you have 14 and a third back to back on the road and awful places to play, like oh, they right. want they want you gone off the face of the earth. And that's what exactly. great fans do. Um, and, and you go back to back shoves like that. What does that do for one's confidence? You, you weren't perfect the rest of the way, but you got to wake up on that Monday morning and, and, and when you get back into your work and, and your rehab and all the, the grind that goes into the next week, that's got to fill yeah. that confidence bottle a little bit, does it? 100%. You know, and it, can, it can go for facing any SEC team because, you know, all of them are going to be really good. And so you have one good outing and you, it, that just gives you that extra confidence. But like you said, you have to – you kind of have to, like, forget about it almost – and go on to the next week because you can't really like dwell, like dwell on it too much. Cause if you do, you know, you could get into the spot where you become too comfortable. And if you become too comfortable in a game like this, you're, you're going to get punished pretty bad. And so, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of confidence that I got from playing those two, those two series, but it all comes down to the next game. And so that's just kind of how I, how I think about it and how I go on, go on about my game. I like, I like two things that you said. One, growing the games. I'm going to go back to that in a second. But okay. along the lines of what you're talking about right now, I mean, and what Darren mentioned and what we saw from you, you also dealt with an injury yep. last year. And I, I want to know, because I don't think we got to talk about this. I want to know how you, I mean, we talked a little bit about what you were doing right. during that time, but but tell us more about what you did and how you maintained that confidence and how you came back to be the pitcher that you were, because I don't think it's as easy as people realize. So what were you doing and mentally, how were you staying ready to come back to play for Tennessee? Yeah, so, I mean, I was just trying to stay in the game as much as I could, whether it was charting you know, for our pitchers are doing, doing literally whatever possible, just kind of keep focused. Um, was that hard? Stay, it, it, it can be hard. It was hard a little bit because, you know, you get to, you get to the Friday, Saturday game and you're like, wow, I should be pitching um, if it wasn't for this injury or whatever. But you, you kind of can't think like that because you have a whole, you have a 40 other guys on the team that you have to be rooting for. Mm-hmm. And so that's just kind of how I, I stayed mentally ready is like I, I want I want these guys to win I don't like I don't care what happens I don't care how I do it but I want these guys to win and I want to take this team as far as I can 
Love that. That's super selfless. And then, and then growing the game. I love that you said that because Darren and I see that all the time and we we're watching the next generation of kids every year, every right. year we turn over the calendar and I'm like, I can't believe we're on to the next draft. How did, right. how did we get here so quickly? And the, and every draft class is so different, but, but in relation to your family, you have yeah. two older brothers, that right? And one younger brother. Yeah. So I, I'd love to hear a little bit about, you know, growing the game, but also uh, growing with your family and, and what kind of like connection you have with them in regards to, to baseball too. Yeah. So my little brother, he, he doesn't play baseball, but I, I try and help him as much as I can just with things that I've experienced in my life and just kind of guide him through, you know, what, what kind of the do's and don'ts of, of life. And for what, from what I've experienced, obviously, you know, I have, I don't have everything figured out. Nobody does, but um, me and my brother, me and my older brother, he's actually in the White Sox organization right now. He's in, um, he just got, he just got finished with high A's. So me and him have a special bond over baseball. Um, we, we talk about it all the time. I call him after outings. Sometimes he calls me after my outings and we just kind of talk and, you know, just kind of, you know, just kind of like debrief everything that we've, we've kind of gone through. Um, and so that, that just kind of brings us to a deeper level as not, not only as brothers, but as family. It's interesting. I want to ask you about a couple of things. Uh, and, and these are deep and serious um uh the better life dollinger mattress what what goes into that like if i buy a mattress for my home and it's the dollinger mattress right. am i gonna get a good night's sleep well, I, I need to know about it oh i promise you will it's a hybrid mattress so it's it's a mix of uh spring and foam um it, it has like the the support system that you need to like kind of just sleep better at night but all, it also has that memory foam aspect where it's nice and soft and cool so, I mean, if you, if you want to get one, I, I can promise you that you, you'll sleep a lot better. Okay, but, but then I, I sleep well. I still need my cup of espresso to get started in the morning. I bang out an espresso. But for my meal replacement, I'm definitely going six-star pro nutrition. I'm going protein. Is it going to get me through the day? Is it going to, maybe I'm going to a workout right away. Is that a good thing for me? 100%. I mean, you can't go wrong with that. You know, they have, they have all the supplements you need, so. And you can buy them at your Walmart too. So, I mean, there you go. But, it, but it's a good thing because I'm feeling strong. I've gone to the gym. My buddies are all coming over and it's game day. And we're going to watch you on, uh, on TV. Danny's announcing that game. And so we're, we're hollering at CJ's Tacos, man. We want to have CJ's Tacos take care of us. We want the buffalo chicken. Am I taking care of my buddies in the right way? 100%. You can't get wrong with those tacos. I, I've told everybody this. This is probably one of the best tacos I've ever had in my life. Name, image, likeness, it's a very good thing. And it sounds like you've, you've done the right thing to handle this. Well done, by the way. Um, I appreciate it sounds it. Like, it sounds like you've handled this very, very well, taken advantage of it. Is, is it something with your time that you've enjoyed balancing? I, I, I tend to look at the positives to this. Yeah. Um, I would have loved the opportunity when I was your age <laughs> to do that, right? I mean, because yeah. I'm not afraid to talk. I'm not afraid to step out there. I was this guy then um, without your arm. Um, but I, I would have... <laughs> but but have you enjoyed that part of your life yeah 100 it, it brings a lot of a lot of joy to it uh, to be honest with you just seeing these companies that want to work with me and want to uh, collaborate and stuff like that and i've said this before it kind of leads into you know if baseball doesn't work out maybe there's a career opportunity in one of these companies that i've worked with you know um but along with that once i do get into my pro career maybe these maybe these relationships will continue 
and I'll be able to do stuff with them as I go through my pro career. And then when mom and dad or, or your stepdad come around, you can actually offer to pick up the check on occasion now. Exactly. exactly. There you go. There you go. Well, <laughs> well, well done on all of those products. Did I miss any, by the way? Is there anybody else you're partnered with? Uh, Fairbody. Yeah. Tell me about them real quick. Tell me a little bit about before Danny jumps back in. We, we your, your partners need to know that you're taking care of them on this podcast. Tell me about oh, Therabody. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What's going hey, on with Fair, them? Therabody's awesome. But, you know, have you ever heard of the Theragun, the massage yes. gun? Yeah, so they, they scare they, me, but yeah, <laughs> I promise it's not as bad as it, it's not as bad as it looks, but it, it actually feels a lot, feels really good. It kind of helps me keep you loose in between, in between innings. But along with that, they kind of gave me uh, compression systems like Normatex and stuff like that. I don't know if you've heard of that, I have. Um, but they, uh, they gave me that. So that way I could like recover better at night and stuff like that and kind of get a better night's sleep. This is amazing. I, I also saw that and I'm like, dang, you're, you're doing it right. You, you really yeah. are. You, you've put a lot of thought into this. So I love that. I only have um, really one more. You've mentioned a couple of times that, you know, you've you don't know it all. You, haven't, you don't have it all figured out, but right. you, you care deeply. It sounds like about the people around you and your teammates. Yeah. And I, I, I feel like your journey has been really interesting. And Darren kind of set it up nicely when we started. So let's let's do this like advice you'd give either to yourself at Georgia mm -hmm. Southern as to where you are now or advice to the kids who want to follow in your footsteps, because I think your program might be one of the most watched and idolized programs in the country. Yeah. I mean, the advice I'd give is just don't give up on family at all. Like ever. Um, I, there have been times in my life where I've been mad, very mad at my family. Um, but at the end of the day, they're your family. You got to love them. So, um, so like going, like going further into that, you know, the, these guys on your team, they're, they're going to be your family forever. I mean, I, I've made the closest friends I've ever made here at Tennessee, and I, I can't be more thankful for this program to, to, to be able to give me that and give me some lifelong friends. So, and just knowing that these guys will always have your back, no matter what, just like your family will back home. Um, so I feel like that's very important just to never give up. Love that. The last one is, I want to see this hat. Can you show us this hat you're wearing? Oh, it yeah. looks amazing. <laughs> love that. That's yep. a great hat. I love that. What's Darren, funny about it? Yeah. Tell me. What's funny is coach Veek handed these out one day and said, these are players only. So <laughs> players only no one can get that hat. Yep. You can't Nobody buy can that. that. Okay. Exactly. All right. Exactly. I've, I've had some people offer me some money for it, but I bet it's a great hat. Yeah. It's a great yeah. hat. D, Instant that's all turnout. I had. Did you have no, any? No, 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 no. I'm actually very good. I, Coach V was great on game day, by the way. So I, I, I'm, yeah, I'm really, yeah. I'm reeling from that. So I don't even want to get into that. Um, <laughs> but thank you, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah. yeah thank geez. you, guys. Both Danny and I had a chance to sit in the broadcast booth and broadcast games from Jupiter, and we streamed them on Perfect Game TV with Brian Sikowski. I also, and she did too, recorded segments where he looked at players that he had seen and kind of stacked them up for different reasons. Man, there's a depth and wisdom in a man who sees baseball like that. We think we can read the internet and know baseball. It makes me laugh. And so Brian kind of takes a look at the very top. I mean, the top layer of those who perform at the big event, the Worldwood Bat Association World Championship in Jupiter, Florida, through his eyes, scout's eyes, Brian Sikowski. 
Jupiter's in the rearview mirror, but that doesn't mean we're done talking about it. Hi, everyone. Brian Sikowski here from Perfect Game, here to do a little bit of a recap of sorts of Jupiter, of the WWBA World Championship. Obviously, this is something that we're going to be rehashing. We've talked about this quite a bit already, but uh, hey, it's Jupiter. We're going to keep talking about it because that's how cool it is. Uh, obviously, our winner, top tier, the, the top tier five star uh, combo platter, the top tier Ruse Mafia, whatever, whatever the name ended up being. They won. Uh, not to pat myself too firmly on the back, but when we, as a scouting department, went through and everybody made their picks, that was my pick. So, shouts out to me. Um, I think I was probably the the push that that got that five-star top-tier team over the hump uh, and into the world championship designation. So you're welcome, everyone. Um, obviously, they, they played an outstanding team in, in the Canes National Mets scout team um, fall deal. Just a, a really good game between two really talented teams that you could tell were, were at the end of it, and that's kind of how Jupiter goes. If you win that championship game, you are exhausted at the end of it because you played a lot of baseball in a short amount of time. Uh, but two very good runs from both of those clubs. Uh, obviously, given that they were the last two teams standing, there was a lot of top performers uh, from the event statistically who played for each team. Uh, Ariel Antigua was outstanding for five-star. Uh, guy who played short every day, showed out defensively, as we always see him do, and he really, really performed offensively with the stick. Drew Burris in center, of course he drew Burris uh, performed in his probably his last travel baseball outing, uh, a guy we've seen – what seems like thousands and thousands of times over the years, but uh, Drew Burris put a cap on an excellent travel baseball career with a really good showing in Jupiter, as we expected him to. Um, from the Canes, uh, Gavin Gallagher was outstanding, a, a guy who walked a ton, if that's something that uh, it's important to me when I'm evaluating hitters. It's important to big league teams, so it should be important uh, when we note performance. Uh, but a guy who walked a ton, hit kind of in the middle of that Canes lineup, was just on base all the time, um, does a good job at the the particulars of a, of a team offensive-oriented type of game plan. Uh, just a really good player who performed in a big way. And, of course, Kevin McGonigal was outstanding, uh, a guy who just kind of kept getting hits. Uh, he had some extra base knocks, hit some balls really hard. Um, did his usual thing where he just kind of finds holes in the defense, just on base a ton, played a good shortstop in Jupiter, which, which is notable is usually a second baseman. So get to getting to see him play short consistently was important for us as evaluators. And I thought he did a really good job, um, on the mound, John Abraham uh, from five-star slash top tier, outstanding dominant in the semifinal, as we know, uh, a really good performance from him. Daniel Paris from that team also was a really good performer throughout the course of the week on the mound. Uh, and from the Canes, uh, Cal Randall, as we expected him to be, as is no surprise to anybody, Cal Randall was really good at multiple looks. The Canes kind of were able to use him in that uh, uh, hybrid fireman slash closer type of role, get a couple different couple inning stints from him rather than just uh, – um, letting him go five or six and being done for the week. So really good job from Cal Randall. The elite eight of this event, the quarterfinals, what we, the eight teams that we started with on Monday morning of the final day, what an incredible field this was. Obviously you have the top tier five-star club, have the Canes national team like we talked about. But in addition to them, the other six teams were FTB, the Dirtbags, CBA, San Diego Show, USA Prime, and Swiffle. Talk about a who's who of outstanding travel baseball programs uh, for years and years now. These are not newbies to the game by any stretch, but that was uh, that was one heck of a, of a Sunday night finish to get to that Monday morning, to get into that playoff day. Um, and I think, hey, 
sometimes it doesn't work this way, but I think we got it right this time. It was probably the eight best teams uh, that were in that, that final day. So that was fun to watch. Um, a little bit more specific to the players. Every year there's players who make money in Jupiter. That's the way we put it. They made money this week. Uh, they performed well in front of scouts, the hundreds that were there. Um, whether it was just kind of solidifying a positive opinion we maybe had on a guy, whether it was doing something a little bit new for the first time, whether it was taking a step forward in some way, there's always guys who, who really perform under the bright lights of Jupiter and go into the offseason, head into next spring, uh, leaving a really good taste in scouts' mouths because of how good they were. Um, so a bunch of those players, Ty Wade from Arkansas, he played for three and two sticks. He's a catcher who's committed to Arkansas. I believe he's from Texarkana, which uh, the hybrid area between Arkansas and Texas down there. But either way, uh, probably the top performer of the week, just in terms of what he was able to do offensively, consistently, uh, really good performance with the bat there, a notable type of thing. Um, Johnny Farmello, another Canes guy. We got to talk about him. Left-handed stick, really good defender in the outfield. Just a smooth athlete with a great left-handed swing. Expected a big week from him. Got it. Uh, one of those guys who we know that Johnny Formell is a really good player. But put the cherry on top of your amateur career or of your travel ball career by really performing in Jupiter. That's what he did. Um, John Wimmer, what an incredible week offensively. Playing for the Upstate Mavs, uh, South Carolina guy who's committed to the Citadel um, really consistent performance with the stick, lots of extra base power, lots of just con constantly on the barrel. Uh, what more can you ask for when you're trying to judge offensive performance? And Colt Emerson, I uh, have to hearken back to the Midwest here. Of course, I'm broadcasting to you live from Ohio. So got to talk about an Ohio, an Ohio guy. Colt Emerson was really good, obviously played with Team Elite like he has, uh, was in, uh, hitting in the top of the order left-handed hitter with a lot to like about the swing, a lot to like about the ability to use the whole field with some power. Um, he hits some balls really, really hard up the opposite field gap. That's something that's notable. And he's a good athlete who played a good shortstop and, and we'll see in the spring, but um, an, another guy that we knew was really good. But once you put that kind of cap on it in Jupiter, it's something that's notable. And that's why we're talking about it um, on the mound. Some guys that I'd never seen before who really stood out in terms of their performance. Camden Perry from Las Vegas, 14 punches in seven innings, uh, up to 91 with the fastball, threw a ton of strikes playing for GBG, um, a guy that's notable out west for a lot of ways. Trey Beard is a guy we've talked about. I talked about him on one of the recap shows live from Jupiter. I was talking with Darren Sutton. I'm sure a lot of people saw that. Uh, a guy who doesn't throw all that hard. It's 84-88, but he's long and lanky and left-handed, has elite-induced vertical break on his fastball. And when he's in the zone, when he's able to throw that fastball right near the top of the strike zone, he's absolutely unhittable. Uh, a guy who is kind of spindly in his body. And once we, we pack some more weight onto that, it's easy to envision him throwing harder. It's easy to envision that fastball continuing to disappear at the top of the strike zone. Um, Hayden Morris from the Banditos, really, really good. Uh, one run one run in seven innings, up to 93 with the fastball, struck out nine or 10, whatever ended up being. Uh, I think he only walked one in that game. Just a, a really consistent performance, a, a guy who was able to, to miss a lot of bats against a really good Swiffle team. Um, and of course, we have to talk about some underclassmen. This is Jupiter. This is geared towards seniors. This is geared towards guys who you know, eight months from uh, nine months from, from Jupiter taking place are going to be drafted into professional baseball are going to be headed to their colleges, whatever. That's kind of what the event's designed for, but that doesn't, that does not mean that we don't get standout underclassmen in this event. Like we do every year. We got to talk about some of them because they were just so good. 
Um, have to start with Sam Cozart, a, a longtime PG veteran, a guy we've seen quite a bit. Um, came to Jupiter, is not new to Jupiter, even as a 2025. He, he's been here before, uh, but really good, outstanding performance from him. He's one of the top performing pitchers in the entire event as a 2025. Uh, big physical righty who's up to 93. He can move the fastball around. It's a good changeup. We know all about Sam Cozart, but he continued to, to really shine uh, in what was a spotlight that is not even for him yet necessarily. Uh, we're, we're still a couple of years away from his draft eligibility year. Uh, so that's fun to think about. Uh, another guy I've talked about on one of those recap shows, Braden Krenzel, uh, Columbus area kid, the 2024 pitch for the Red Scout team was really good. Loved what I saw from him. It was a quick look, but it's enough to, to make me really, really circle the name in pen and, and um, follow along closely, especially being a, a close to me geographically guy. Um, was up to 91, 92 or whatever it was, really spins a slider. It's super graceful, super lean, super athletic, just a ton to like about the projection there. Um, Dante Nori, a, a 2024 played with Kane's prospects. That's the uh, kind of the underclass uh, Kane's national, if you want to look at it that way. Um, but a dude who was one of the top performers of the entire event, a left-handed hitter from Metro Detroit, um, shouts out, of course, who's committed to Mississippi State, left-handed stick, center fielder, can really, really run, can really, really hit, knows the zone, doesn't strike out, goes to all fields, sounds like a really good player because he is one, uh, and he'll be one that we'll be following very, very closely next summer as he enters his draft eligibility circuit year. Um, and Gavin Fine, I have to talk about another 2025, Gavin Fine from the San Diego Show kind of did it both ways. Performed with the bat, got a couple different outings of relief on the mound. Um, things stood out both ways for us. He's highly ranked. He's like a top 70 player in 2025. It's not like this was a, a new thing for us being impressed by Gavin Fine. But um, when you do it, like I've said, on this stage, uh, on a stage where it's designed for upperclassmen, on a stage where underclassmen do have an inherent disadvantage a lot of times simply because most of the players here are 17, 18, 19 years old sometimes. Um, for you to do that as an underclassman at whatever level, it's something that's notable. It's something that stands out. So what a week it was. We're already looking forward to next year. Again, congratulations to the five-star slash top-tier club for walking away champions. I can't wait to see what those rings look like. Um, but either way, even though we have another year until Jupiter, you'll be hearing from us plenty of, over the course of the offseason. We'll talk to you soon. A pitcher heavy podcast episode this week. And we are excited because both of the guys we're talking to started at different schools and are have transferred. And, you know, Hurston Waldrop, for you, you're now looking to make an impact at Florida coming from Southern Miss. And I know we're going to dive in, into the electricity that you've caught and that we we've heard all about. But I actually want to go back and start back first because we just wrapped up our Jupiter event, our World Wood Bat World Championship. And I know you played in 2019, is that right? Yes, ma'am, that's correct. So take us back because I know we're very fond of Jupiter and, and the grittiness of the event and your last time with your travel ball team. So can you go back to 2019 and, and walk us through your experience? You played with Rawlings Arkansas Prospects Platinum. What was that like and what do you remember about the event? So I played against that team earlier in the summer, um, pitched against them. That wasn't my primary team. So I was able to join them and uh, play with them in that tournament. Only made only made one outing with them, but uh, it was a great experience. I We played at the Cardinals and Marlins field. 
I don't remember who exactly we played, but uh, that whole experience, seeing just the scouts, coaches, colleges, everybody there, fans, um, it was crazy. It was almost – it was probably one of the bigger games I've ever thrown at before coming to college, uh, just with the, the atmosphere and the team. So it was, it was great. Yeah, that perfectly sums it up. So it sounds like it kind of prepared you because – now, I want to fast forward a little bit to the end of last season, your regionals and then your super regionals. You're playing against SEC teams, double-digit strikeouts, LSU and Ole Miss. What was that atmosphere like? How do you feel like you were prepared for that moment to go in and play against such high-caliber teams, along with your team, who was so incredible last year, had a great run? But what was that moment like playing in those atmospheres? So it was it was different um just the with LSU being so close and the Southern Miss going to them in the 2017 regional knowing there was a little bit of tension there from that um, and knowing that their fans would travel really well that atmosphere was unreal being able to play in front of all those fans and everyone knowing that we had a we had a real chance to to do something special and it was that atmosphere I thought was a lot more different than the Ole Miss atmosphere because their fans, the hype around their offense and just how they, how they travel and how they support their team. It was, it was really cool. And then the Ole Miss series, of course, didn't end like we wanted it to, but it was great too, because their, their fans being so close in-state rival, we played them twice that uh, earlier in the season went one and one against them. So we knew that that team would travel really well and they did, they, they showed up and they played and, um it was great being able to compete against just high level um competition like that how can you describe your freshman year i see very good numbers competitive numbers you know starting to pitch some ninth innings of games and close games down earning probably a few more innings as the weeks go along but you know again it was minimal usage it was you getting used to college baseball that's my perception how do you describe your freshman year yeah, that was that's pretty much how it went. It was a it was a little bit of a roller coaster for me coming off of COVID and not much of a, a high school year, not really getting to play much and adjusting to a bullpen role that I had never done before. And um, being able to figure that out was really cool because it made me adapt as a person and mature a little bit as a pitcher. Being able to come into those spots and thrown into a fire that I, you know I had no idea how it was going to play out and just being able to control a game at you know, being a 18, 19 year old kid coming into a college game and closing a game out is really cool. Being able to um, see myself develop through those few innings, but it felt like it was a hundred innings, you know, um, mm -hmm. just being able to, just being able to experience that later in the year. So you get that little appetizer, right? If we're looking at it as a meal, you get that little taste of what it's like. Where was your summer spent in 2021? Because the difference in you in 21 and the difference in you in 22 is, you know, Johnny, the guy who barely makes the roster in 21. And then in 22, you're like Justin Furlander, Garrett Cole. So that's like, that's a big difference, right? You jump into that Sunday spot, but your numbers were as good as anybody's. Where'd you spend your summer of 2021? So I was supposed to go to Rhode Island and play up there in a, in a summer collegiate league, but I ended up staying home because I wanted to develop a new pitch. I wanted to work on some things mechanically, work out and just being able to focus on myself. And actually I went home and uh, pretty much programmed my whole summer and wow. just redid some mechanical stuff, redid my fastball, redid my curveball, 
didn't do as much with the changeup, which ended up turning into a splitter later, almost middle of the season, and then developed the slider. And that's pretty much how my summer went, just bullpens, working out, throwing, just a mix of all of it. So as you're zipping up duffel bags and packing up suitcases and getting ready to go back to school, you've got to think I, I'm pretty darn excited with who I've become. I mean, that trip back to school for even fall had to be, you know, you had to be full of anticipation. You go back healthy. If you manage your own summer, you're going back healthy, probably stronger than you've been in your life. Um, wiser because you've understand how to succeed and fail in college already. What was that time in the fall like real quickly in 2021? So that was a that was a little bit of a rough patch for me, honestly. It was okay. it was weird because I was going to that, you know, I was I had that bullpen mentality of like just, you know, max effort coming in for one or two innings, coming to close the game, and then having to teach myself to start and relax and control myself for four to five innings in the fall. And that was a transition in itself. But I think once I figured that out and just being so anxious about being a starter again and the emotions that came with that and being able to control all of it. It was a, it was different. And later in the fall, it all, it all panned out, but early in the fall, I, was, I felt like I was just so excited to be back out in the starter role. It just uh, came back and got me a little bit. I love that you're saying this, actually. It's super relevant right now, right? We just saw Robbie Ray come into the game for the Mariners and try to close it out. So a little bit opposite of what you're talking about. But we we see that a lot where people just assume, oh, it's got to be easy. If he's, he's coming out of the pen, he's going to be able to start. Or if he's a starter, he should be able to go and just wind it up. So maybe dive a little deeper into the keys that you found that helped you kind of transition or maybe quell the anxiety of becoming a starter and also probably becoming what you ultimately want to be. So with that, for me, it was just realizing that I had spent two and a half months in that summer preparing for to prepare him to be a starter. And it was, it wasn't so much focusing like, okay, I've got to do this today. It was like, okay, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to throw and I'm just going to be the same pitcher I've been. And I'm just going to be myself. And that's what a lot of, that's what a lot of people in baseball don't realize is you prepare so much and you do all this stuff, workout, sleep, food. I mean, just everything you prepare to be for that one moment. And you just have to go out and be yourself. You don't have to be anything special. And that's what, I think once that clicked for me and I was just able to go out there and throw and enjoy the baseball game, like it, it all came together and I realized that that was, that's what was most important and that's what was going to make me um, a better pitcher. And then it was really special. And I mean, every headline, every article that I see about you from last season uses the word electric and you reeling back, hitting triple digits, but also being able to command your secondary pitches and just kind of jaw-dropping performances, I, I thought, on the mound. When your stuff was at your best, when you felt like you had everything working and and everything was in a groove together, what what's that experience like out on the mound for you? Are you proud of what you were able to do last year to kind of figure everything out? I was. I was very proud of the way I handled that, um, I think I think the LSU game was probably my journey of being a starter in a nutshell. Um, having trouble those first two innings, like just being the the amped up, like just so anxious and just wanting to throw max effort every pitch and wanting to 
strike everybody out and blow everybody up. Like uh, that was just like how I viewed starting in a nutshell. And then that third inning, I came out. I don't even remember what happened in the third inning, but that was kind of when I, I locked it in. And I just started pitching and started trusting my stuff. And then I don't think I gave up a hit for like the next couple innings or whatever. And that was, I think I had like almost 50 pitches going into that third inning and then ended up going deep into the seventh. And so it's, it was just weird. Like it, it all happened so fast, but it was a long season. And then I look up and it's done. And I had, I was very pleased with how it all turned out. I had to look up the word quell, by the way, just to just to be clear. It's it's to suppress, put an end to, or extinguish. I, you know, I'm not as intelligent person as you and Danny, so I looked up the word quell. That's that Mizzou education. Maybe you can Sorry. toss a shutout against them for her using that word in this podcast. Unbelievable! <laughs> like that is that is like that that this is not this is a college baseball podcast. I mean, geez, oh peace. First, why Florida? I mean, what, why? Well, you know, and I, that's a simple way to ask that. But let me let me ask you a little deeper. When did you stop and realize maybe I want to pitch somewhere else and challenge myself with something different? I see myself going in a different direction. What what moment did that light bulb go off? Who did you talk to first about it? I, I kind of get frustrated with the transfer portal because there are articles written that feel like they're kind of on a balcony looking way down on a pool down below. And you don't really know what the heck's going on. But they're written and there's opinions in them. And I get frustrated by it. I transferred, again, a million years ago. It was different um, as a college baseball player. But what happened to you that you thought, I think I want to challenge myself somewhere else. I want to find a new step for my, for my journey. What happened? How did that happen? So personally for me, I've always, like, I've always held myself to the highest standard. And I wanted the best out of myself sometimes to a fault. And... I felt like I never, I never once at Southern Miss felt like I wasn't facing the best competition. Um, but something in me just wanted a little bit more and wanted to be a part of the the SEC. And I got a, I got a taste of that at the end of the year. And so that was a little bit of a, that was a little bit of a influence on it and seeing those two teams. Um, and so there was just something in me and I, it took me a while to, end up making the decision but something in me just wanted more wanted to be in the SEC wanted to be around just elite players and face elite competition you know every weekend every weekend SEC is you know it's it's tough nothing nothing's ever easy about it from you know what you see and so something in me just wanted that and wanted more um and just wanted to be a part of it and who'd you talk to first like who'd you who'd you run it up the flagpole with first? So my assistant high school coach, he's always been kind of my go-to guy. What's uh, his name? About, uh, Daniel Young. He's okay. that's who I I train at his facility in the off season, um, and so he's he's pretty much who I hit up whenever I have something like that. Or my my travel coach, uh, Justin Chambers. Um, that, those are my go-to guys. If, if I ever have anything like that, mechanical, I'll send them videos. I'll call them, whatever. So that I, I talked to them first and consulted in them and, you know, made sure I, I wasn't making a, a decision that I didn't need to make or just, you know, getting a second opinion on it. Um, so that was, it was those two guys that really guided me through that whole process. 
Love that. I, I, I love hearing that. The Some of the clips that I watched, I think from last year, Hurston, you, I actually think it was something you did with Perfect Game. And I don't know if it was with Darren or not, but there's a, a clip of you saying that you like to be the teammate that pushes the guys around you and, and also can be pushed and, and maybe extra motivated, something along those lines, which I really liked. And so it sounds like you have a lot of good people around you, but you also like to be that good person. In what ways do you want your new teammates to push you? How, how does that look for, for someone on the outside watching? So for like having people around you that want to achieve the same goal, but they also want to do it with a group of people with a team is what I wanted to be around. And having people that they're they're going to give you constructive criticism they're going to tell you what when you're good or when you're bad or what like they're going to be honest with you they're going to tell you what they think um having someone around you that's going to push you in the weight room push you to be better and that's what I've seen here so far is you're like no matter what no matter what happens good or bad you're gonna have people picking you up you're gonna have people hey like you need to like maybe maybe focus on this a little bit or in the weight room challenging each other of like, Hey, I, I lifted like five more pounds than you. Like, you're going to let me do that to you. Like just having that constant push all like, no matter what, what's going on. Um, it's a great atmosphere to be in. Hey, by the way, in the third of that inning, you got a ground out, ground out walk, and then you struck out Braden Joe bear to end the frame. Oh, so nice. yeah. Yeah. Just a, just a reminder for that. I did have to look it up. So pushing, pushing wise coach cop, What's that, what's that relationship been like? How have you built that up so far? He's been great. He's, uh, he's there every day. He, he'll text you or call you whenever, whenever he sees something, he'll go over video. He'll send you video whenever um, he'll be going through the game and we'll be talking through bullpens. He'll be like, Hey, like on this, you know, this cue right here, maybe try something different. So he's very, very hands-on with every pitcher. Um, and he sees stuff that I, I'm like, I don't even know. I don't even know how you saw that. I didn't even feel it. And I'm usually like really good personally with feeling out my body and feeling how everything moves. And he's, he's been awesome so far. Wow. I love that. You've thrown, you've thrown pens and you guys have just started workouts. Have you pitched in a Gators uniform? I, I, as we record this, it's October 12th. You're, you're scheduled to pitch in a Gators uniform October 13th. And then it looks like an inner squad. Have you, will that be your first outing? I uh, pitched this past Sunday in a at a two inning outing. How'd that how that feel? Did, did did the did the newness of anything creep in? You're now a veteran. You pitched in the Netherlands. You've traveled <laughs> the world with the collegiate national team. PG this, you know, college that, LSU, whatever. You've done it all. Did you get some fresh butterflies? Oh yeah, of course. I mean, I think I think it's almost you almost have to, you know, pitching in front of we actually had a really good crowd the other night. That was a little over that was that was a good amount of people there for a fall scrimmage. And it was a, we were playing under the lights. It was a six o'clock scrimmage on Sunday night. And you had, had all the team there first scrimmage of the fall. So that was, that was a little bit of nerves there, but I mean, it was, it was controlled and I had to go out there and still pitch. So, but uh, no, it was, it was a lot of fun. That's amazing. That's amazing. That those nerves still come out, man. Hurston, thank you so much. This was a treat. I, I'm super stoked to watch you this season. <clears throat> I know Darren is too, but um you know, just really excited about what you've done and what you'll continue to do. So thanks for giving us some time today. Yeah. Thank y'all for having me. 
Yeah, thank you, man. I, I was I was you know anxious to talk to you, but then I quelled you it. Quelled all. it. I calmed down. Did you quell calmed it? down. Literally, those words go together. Everybody knows you quell anxiety. That is big a thing. city. That's a big city New York <laughs> question right there. Oh Herson, right, you're Herson, the best. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank y'all for having me. Every week on Perfect Game TV, Hunter Pence and I host a show, and it's a fun one. It's an on-camera streaming show. We used to call that like a television show back in the day. It's Perfect Game College Baseball. And Hunter is so passionate about the college space, and there are times when kind of submerging him in an area, you know, under under the water with not just the best coaches in the country. He's great with them. But, but a guy like Jeff Duncan, who played in the big leagues and played it well, and uh, certainly knows who Hunter is and played against a guy like Hunter. But then all of a sudden, he's the head coach at Kent State, building at the mid-major level, the built-in challenges at the mid-major level, three-time MAC coach of the year. Here's some of that conversation from Perfect Game College Baseball. Hunter Pence and Jeff Duncan, insightful. Jeff, I, I really honestly can't, uh, couldn't agree more. Uh, I mean, relationships, when you look back and you reflect on a long baseball career, is, is, is the greatest treasure you have. Um, yeah. Also, it is tough to delegate and to wear different hats. We all want to control everything, but to have that balance, and, and you brought up something, Jeff, you know, with, with raising money and, and the work that goes into being a college head coach. I got a quote from you that I thought was great. It's like, we drink water out of the hose. We work hard. We're going to play hard. We're going to play to win, and we're going to have more fun than the other team. And that just that quote in and of itself kind of gives – the fabric of, of what you stand for, what Ken state stands for, but how do you create that balance and that culture of like, you know, work hard, play to win. This is serious stuff, but also have fun. What's your thoughts on like creating that balance and that atmosphere? I, I love it. I think you do it with people. You make it as authentic as you possibly can. So you have to have the right people involved with that. And, and, you know, it's, it's been great because we're very, we have a, diverse coaching staff right as far as age group where they've been where they're from but the one thing that we all have in common is we all have energy and enthusiasm for game and the people so i think it's more of an authentic thing that we try to portray on a daily basis in in that locker room and also it goes down to recruiting recruiting the right people we don't over recruit in our in our program it's we call ourselves like a small family business that that beats up on the corporate so for us, we win with people, and, and, and that's the, the one number thing, number one thing that I think is the most important as far as creating that. Now, practice, you know, like just making sure that we have up-tempo practices where they enjoy it, but they're also very competitive. We do a classroom-type setting before practice where we meet, and the biggest thing we talk about is character and, and things that happen in, in life and how to handle um, the, the toughness of life and the game of baseball. There's nothing that can prepare you more for the game of life than baseball, in my opinion, with the amount of failure that happens. The game should be called adversity. So just, just educating our guys and our program as much as possible on that on a daily basis, and it becomes your texture. It's it's beautiful, Jeff, and it is the most important thing. And and you're right, adversity and like mastering yourself. How do you deal with failure? Because in baseball, you're gonna fail, small but mighty. One thing, Jeff, that I've also noticed that y'all that you do well, and you know, you played in the minors for a long time. You played in the big leagues with the Mets. 
as an outfielder, but your team, you bang, you guys can hit. And I got, I, I would, I have to get a little bit of that out of you is what's kind of your, what makes a college hitter succeed? You know, there's professional hitters there's a college level and it's always kind of changing, but for, for purposes of technique and culture and, and just an offense and, and, and going out as Kent State's offense year in and year out, what are the principles for you to having a successful offensive season and what do college hitters need to do well to succeed? Kids these days, they want to talk about mechanics quite a bit. And when you get on social media, that's what a lot of, a lot of, a lot of what happens. So we just want to make sure that we really hit on, okay, let's have a fundamental foundation mechanically and let's make drills and, and we call them our daily vitamins to make us really fundamentally sound. But the biggest thing for an offense for me is I want our offense to have mentality and be really aggressive and relentless but also have a discipline to where we're not chasing everything. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? So we're, that's part of our practices that we do on a daily basis is revolves around, okay, we have a mechanical foundation and then we have a mentality that's relentless, and, and the, but there's a discipline to it. And then the last piece is we talk a lot about approach and making sure, you know, cause there's different ways to approach certain pitchers inside of our league. And, and now, you have some analytics that you can throw in on top of it. We'll do a lot of video and we'll talk about a lot about different approaches and watch it on, you know, uh, video, different guys, things like that. And there's a lot of technology that we can use towards that philosophy uh, to, to help us. But that's basically it in a nutshell. I think uh, mentality is really big for us and then having a fundamental uh, foundation and then approach. Josh Johnson, 371, 446, 629, nine taters, an incredible year. Is he back for you? Yes. Oh, yeah. We Holy re- cow. Like, you're getting so much of your offense back, Jeff. You're yeah. getting so much of your offense back. And yeah. Can you park park your car right now, though, at Josh and, and explain to him, who explain to us who he is as a hitter? I'd love, I, I'd like Jeff's scouting report on Josh, if you don't mind. Oh, you're talking about a guy who's 6'3", 6'4" very long lanky came in with a lot of speed um came came in kind of underdeveloped offensively though like the the swing mechanics they're long he's long lanky guy that grew a lot late in his high school career and then he was trying to figure out his body but you knew as a coach like once this guy figures it out this guy can be really sensational on a baseball field and that's what's happened he's had to wait two years to play and he was very patient. And in, in today's world where guys don't play, they transfer, right? This guy, I'll tell you what, as far as mental toughness and, you know, he comes from a great family and the work ethic that he brings every day, instead of going the other way, he's like, I'm going to find a way to play. And that's what he did on a daily basis. And he's earned everything he got last year. He was up for Mac player of the year. And, you know, you talk about a talented kid. And the thing is, is he didn't play his freshman and sophomore year a ton because he was behind some pretty talented kids and he still continued to need to develop. And then what he did is when he got the opportunity, he didn't look back. He was hungrier than the other guy, in my opinion, and then took care of business. And that's why he became one of the best players in the league. I know I sound kind of like get off my lawn guy when I bang the drum on certain things, um, but just... You know, maybe I need to read more and find more insightful articles, but I just feel like listening to these two young men talk about transferring with peace 
and earning an extra part of their living with peace and intelligence and ingenuity and creativity just reminds me that this is part of the evolution of college sports. And um, to, to be short-sighted about it is just simply that. It's just to be short-sighted. And I think learning from Hurston as to the why, he wanted to challenge himself. Like he just said, I, I, I knew I could do it. The end of the year affirmed it. And then he called his assistant coach from high school and his travel team coach. And then Chase, as you said it so eloquently in the open, um, had some downtime and spent that downtime connecting with businesses in his community. That's how the world goes around. Like that's how you earn a living in life. That's how you and I hustle to, to earn extra jobs. The baseball part's great. Like Jonathan Mayo uh, in, a, in a late summer article at MLB.com had Dolander going third in the draft next year and Waldrop going ninth in the draft next year. It, it, like that talent is there. I like kind of the extra things that go along with these men. Yeah, I think that these are two guys that we're going to be talking about every single week at whatever night, Friday night guys, uh, that they, whatever roles they assume this season for their teams. I feel like we are going to be talking about them every single week, the competition, but the level of talent and the investment that these guys have made in themselves is already upping last year's class. It, it, it never ceases to amaze me how much time and effort that these guys put into their craft of trying to get better and then sharing it with us. How did you get better? What, why did you take away positives from a moment that was so hard. You heard Hurston talking about the LSU game in the regionals. And he said that that was basically a microcosm of how he became a starting pitcher. He gave us that insight. And now he's going to go to Florida and, and potentially assume the Friday night role for Kevin O'Sullivan's team. And this is a guy who I think is going to make a huge impact in the SEC next year. And he's going to mess up a lot of teams plans for every team that he's got to face and the same for chase i got a chance to cover him at the sec tournament get to know him a little bit better i just think he's a really good guy who's doing whatever he can for himself but first team like he's team first and then he's like yeah but i'm gonna make some money and i'm going to look ahead for my future how can i help myself out in the future too as he should they should be selfish in that way because baseball players are never selfish and they're always team first and and that's exactly the case for these guys. So I was glad we got to catch up with them and they gave us some time. Cause I think these are two massive names in the 2023 draft. April 7th. It's in Knoxville, Tennessee, and it's Florida against Tennessee. It'll be Dolander against Waltrip and April 7th, looking ahead to that game. Um, would love to be there. Who knows? Danny may be calling it. That's what makes us very excited about it. So uh, it's really fun. Make sure you uh, follow us. Make sure you subscribe. And so you get all of our latest podcasts. And also, you know, go ahead and subscribe to Perfect Games YouTube channel because this video is available there. And you'll also see parts of this or all of it on Perfect Game TV. This was a real good one. If this doesn't get you excited for college baseball 2023, well, I'll just say this. Here's my advice, you know, as a bit of a therapist. If you're overly excited for college baseball 2023, just just quell that enthusiasm just a little bit, if only for a moment. Get through Christmas and uh, make sure your Christmas shopping is on par or your holiday shopping, as you know, I, I don't want to offend. Uh, but just quell that enthusiasm until we see you next time.